0: Welcome spiral Leapers. Today we
1: have Kevin Palmieri, founder and CEO of Next Level University, a global top 100 self-awareness podcast. He believes in heart-driven but a no-BS approach to holistic self-improvement. Welcome Kevin.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to chat and go deep on self-awareness.
1: Yeah. So what what made you start a self-awareness podcast? I mean, that's so cool. We're kind of doing something similar.
2: But yeah. But I, I wonder if it's yeah. the oh, same I, it. <laughs> I wonder if it's the same for me as it was for you. It was it was mostly pain. It was it was realizing that I had the most successful financial year of my life, but I was probably the most unhappy and unfulfilled I had ever been. And that really highlighted the the lack of understanding of myself and realizing, okay, I assumed all of these things were going to bring me happiness and fulfillment and joy, but actually it's quite the opposite. And now it's highlighted a void in my life that I didn't understand I had. So that's really what it was, is I was quote unquote successful. And I was miserable because I wasn't aligned. I wasn't fulfilled, and I didn't feel like I had a mission or a purpose. And then I started a podcast called the Hyper Conscious Podcast. I wanted to be—I wanted to be the most conscious you could be because I had so much pain associated with being unconscious, quote unquote.
1: Right, pain being associated with success—it's
2: strange, isn't it? Right, I know. Yeah,
1: but it—it comes from not living your true purpose. Yeah, in the end. Yeah yeah so what have you learned? what is the what is the biggest take mm. home?
2: I, I would say the biggest the biggest take home for me is what you learn can only really be as powerful as what you unlearn. If you really want to get to the next level or your level of success and fulfillment and happiness and joy and impact, you really have to do both. It's not just externally learning, it's internally learning about yourself and unlearning the things that no longer serve you. I never, I didn't really hear anybody talking about that. It was read this book, take this course, hire a coach. It was never sit with yourself and figure out where you're holding yourself back based on your own limiting beliefs, experiences, and traumas. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing that I have learned and practiced over the last five and a half, six years.
1: Right. And so mm-hmm. those learnings are like programs, aren't they? Yes. Something that exists on the unconscious level
2: almost
1: mm-hmm. that drives you and yet makes no sense.
2: Yeah. I think <laughs> of it as soil when you're uh, when you're little. When you're young, whatever that means to you, you're planted in soil and eventually you might quote unquote grow out of the soil, but your roots can still be planted there and you might not even realize that that soil is still feeding you messages and feelings and emotions and traumas. And- I think self-awareness is understanding, oh, okay, where I came from, that's where I'm getting a lot of this, these messages and these lessons, I can actually disconnect or at least become aware enough where I don't have to allow that to be my normal reality. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So some of those learnings that often happen when we're children mm-hmm. are what drive us. Yeah. And, and, it can be social norms as well, right? What is success? Mm. And so you're always trying to achieve someone else's idea of success, not your unique path. Is, mm. is, is is that is that it in a nutshell?
2: That's it in a nutshell. And it's, I had my my midlife crisis quote unquote at, at 26 25 26 which I'm very grateful for but mm-hmm. I I do think that's what happens is people wake up one day with everything that they thought they wanted and realize what I have makes me quote unquote happy in moments in minutes and moments but there's a big difference between happiness and fulfillment I think we're as human beings I think we we do long for happiness but I think we long more for fulfillment because and this is always my analogy if this podcast goes well and you like me, I will be happy. Regardless of the outcome, I will be fulfilled because I'm doing what I'm I'm supposed to be doing in alignment with the best version of me. And that's just my analogy for it. But I think that happiness is if then, fulfillment is in the process of doing. And those are just two completely different lives if you can really tap into that.
1: Right. So when you feel fulfilled, what happens inside of you mm. that makes you know you're aligned?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Usually I somewhat lose track of time. Like uh, there's a chance I'll lose track of time in this interview. Now I'm always looking at the clock cuz I have other meetings. So, but you know, in an ideal world, I would just completely lose track of time and get into flow and everything would just go away. That's one part. The second part is I get very I feel very internally energetically high like when i came in i was singing when i came into the room you were waiting and i was singing and that's like i'm not putting on a show i'm just excited to be here i'm i'm excited to do my thing to to live my purpose so for me it's very warm it's like a very warm inviting i want to stay here feeling that's yeah. probably the best way to to explain it for me
1: right and that state of flow yeah so when when did you when did you come to the conclusion or when did you know that that should be what you're doing? Like, how did it happen? And how did you know that you had
2: found it? I was actually interviewed on a podcast when when I think when I was, I think it was 2000, probably 2015, late, late 2015. And I remember at the end of it, I said to my friend, I said, imagine if you could do that for a living. So that's when I saw the vehicle, the vehicle of podcasting. It was like, if I could just talk into a microphone, that would be amazing. That would be the best thing ever. And then honestly, and it sounds cliche, but when I made that money and realized that was not the path to happiness, I'm not kidding. I realized I was living unconsciously. I want to help people live hyperconsciously. That really was, it was the pain of success not being success and the awareness of this new vehicle that I had never experienced before. It was a mix of those two. And then I think the third part of it was I actually realized that for most of my life, I had loved helping people. I just didn't, number one, feel like I deserve to help people or who am I to help people? Like what, I didn't go to college. I didn't do any of that stuff. And then I think the second part was I've always liked having deep conversations. But in the past, I... I don't want to say I was punished for having deep conversations, but there weren't always people who wanted to have deep conversations with me. So I assumed I was weird. And I think all of those things kind of, kind of came together at a unique time. And then I just started talking deep conversations with people. And it was like, oh my goodness, this is the best. This isn't work. This is awesome. This is the best thing ever. Right.
1: And podcasting exists right now, just, just for you. <laughs>
2: In a way. I like
1: that. I like that.
2: Well, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful.
1: Yeah. And so it feels like it just was your sole purpose because there's an excitement there when you shared those deep conversations. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. It's we did an episode the other day, and it was it was the title of the episode was How Aligned Is Your Grind. And the reason we did that episode is because I realize you hear a lot of people say you can do anything you set your mind to. And while I appreciate that, I also think that can set people down the wrong path because there are certain people who are, their quantum abilities are more aligned with something than something else. So I'm five foot four, most likely not gonna make it in the professional basketball leagues. It's probably not in the cards for me. Now, could I work every day for the rest of my life and outwork everybody else and maybe make it? Sure. But somebody who's six foot 10, their quantum abilities are higher in basketball. I think for me as a podcaster, that's why I feel the most aligned because I can do eight podcasts back to back to back to back where other people might not be able to do that because that's not their genius zone, right? So I, I think I got lucky when I found podcasting and then it was like, okay, let me, let me install my work ethic into something that I actually love. I've been really good at working hard at things I don't like. Imagine- something I feel aligned, fulfilled doing, that's, that's going to be a whole nother ball game for me. Yeah. So how, how do people know when they're aligned? It's a great question. It's hard. I don't know if you can truly know in the moment. I think it's very important to reflect after you do things because I love boxing. And I'll go to the gym and I'll do 10 rounds of five minutes. I will do an hour of hard cardio. And honestly, it kind of sucks when you're doing it. It kind of sucks. It's hard. You're sweating. You can't breathe. But when I'm walking out of the gym, there's always this feeling of I'm so grateful I did that. I'm so proud of myself for testing my body. I really appreciate the fact that I'm able to do that. So I think it's in reflection after you do something, if you feel, say you do something and you feel dirty, it's like, I really wish I didn't do that odds are it probably wasn't in alignment. But if you feel proud and grateful that you took the time out to do that, I would say that's probably something that's very in alignment and most likely something that's fulfilling. It's mm-hmm. hard. It's really hard to know in the moment unless you've experienced it before. So I think it it starts with reflection. That's probably what I would say.
1: Yeah. and And paying attention to how you feel inside. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just... Because often with alignment, there's a feeling of expansion. Mm. And if you're unaligned or it feels like you said dirty or wrong, there's a feeling of of tightness.
2: Yeah. And so extra resistance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Resistance. Yeah. Yeah. So it's learning to pay attention to those, isn't it? Mm. But it takes a little practice of and
2: course. self-awareness. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's the way. I think I think the number one way to build self-awareness is to reflect. Yeah, I really do because if you think of it this way and people have, a lot of people have regrets. I think everybody has potential for regrets, but I think regrets are one of two things. One, either something that was out of alignment that you realize now, or something that you look back on and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that based on my new awareness of my old awareness. And I think that's why reflection is so important because you can look back and say, oh wow, that wasn't. That wasn't my fault. I didn't know better. And when I didn't know better, it was very hard for me to do better. So I should stop beating myself up over that thing or whatever it may be. I think that's a a very important facet of self awareness. Yeah. I think that's
1: brilliant too, right? Not to beat yourself up when you weren't aware. Yeah. Right? Forgiveness, move on, carry on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what
2: it's either that or you beat yourself up, right? Yeah. And there's, 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 is there a place for ownership? Of course but not at the detriment of your own self-worth and your own self-belief. That's not constructive.
1: Right. So that that guilt or beating ourselves up is also very human mm. and often comes from a program, right? Mm. Where someone told you you weren't good enough or you were stupid or, you know. And so self-awareness comes in when you realize that that no longer serves you, doesn't it? Have you ever had an experience that way?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think my, so I grew up without a father. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. And I think that's where a lot of my lack, not good enough being fear, uh, having the fear of being left behind comes in Mm -hmm. because I, you know, abandonment issues right off the bat. That'll, That'll do that. So I think that I internalize that as not being good enough, as not being smart enough. And I've really tried to to switch the way I talk to myself, especially if I'm serious. I'm okay with, and again, this is a self-awareness thing, but if I make a mistake, I'm not really internalizing it. If I say, Kev, that was a dumb thing. Come on. You're like, you're smarter than that. There's a difference between making a joke at your expense and really, really feeling it. And I have definitely dealt with like, oh my God, I cannot believe I was so stupid. It's like, okay. What does that actually mean? Were you actually stupid or did you just, do what we just said, did you just not have an awareness that you have now that it seems so clear that you would never make that same mistake again? Okay, let's unpack that a little bit. So as somebody who, you know, we've done 1120 podcast episodes, I've messed up on every single one in some way. I've just had, I've gotten the opportunity to rewire so consistently. It's been very, very, very impactful and very constructive for me to start seeing how I talk to myself and then start kind of reprogramming that in real time, rep after rep, after rep.
1: Yeah. And so where was that wake up moment, you know, where you realized it was programming and Mm. didn't serve?
2: I don't know. I don't know if I have one that really, really jumps off the page because what I think is an important facet of this and it's, it's again, it's deep, it's self-awareness your level of standards for yourself can really only be connected to the level of belief you have in yourself so if you believe you are capable of changing the world and you say to yourself i know i can change the world your standards for yourself have to be different your ownership has to be different your everything kind of has to be different because you're capable of taking more feedback but there is many people out there who they have lower self belief and lower self-worth and they're beating themselves up constantly. And it's like, that's not constructive for you. That's hurting you. That's hurting you. You're not at the point where you should be taking that kind of feedback and that kind of ownership for your mistakes. I think at that point, the ownership that you should take is for your wins. You should take the wins of, I'm going to own the fact that I did really well today that I got out of my comfort zone today, that I did something brave today versus I made five mistakes. That's okay. The fact that you're just showing up is powerful. The fact that you're just showing up is a win. I mean, that's productive. So yeah, I don't remember one specific example, but I think it was just through the reps of having deep conversations and having new awarenesses and interviewing people that it just started to make sense more.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then when once you see it, yeah. It loses its power, right? Yeah. 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 And then you become more aware and it just can't play the games it used to play. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So is that what you you know, you try to tell others is just becoming aware of that negative voice and how to how to focus on the other,
2: right? The positive. Yeah. It's a a lot of yeah. Right. And a lot of its questions. It's like uh you D- Do you believe, so if somebody comes to me and says, well, I could never do that because, cool. Do you believe I could do it? And if they say yes, it's like, okay, why? Why can I do it and you can't? And then you'll get a lot of the limiting beliefs. And it's like, I've always said this, on the other end, when you're, the importance of having somebody that coaches you is they don't see your limiting beliefs and they haven't lived life in the experience you have. So they don't have any of that resistance necessarily. They're gonna see your potential. For me what I always try to get people to do is take a new action to help them reinforce a new identity that they're trying to to adopt. And that all starts with understanding what identity you have. That's why self-improvement as an industry is a challenge because not everybody is trying to do identity level changes. It's like five steps to make a million dollars. Step number 1 is getting over your scarcity mindset. It's not Sending more messages, right? Like, there's a lot that goes into that. So, yeah, we're always trying to to help people understand their identity first, because if you don't un- understand who you are and how that's manifesting in your life, it's very hard to get new results. If you don't shift your identity, that's actually delivering those results.
1: Right. Yeah, and I often, you know, I I know from my own experience mm-hmm. that if you can get out of the place where other people know you as something, right? Mm. Maybe the places you messed up or where you weren't a good student. If you can get yourself away from those people, you can reinvent yourself mm. in in literally seconds. You can be a whole new person, but you know, sometimes other people's limiting beliefs pull you back as much as your own. So mm. it's good to reinvent yourself outside of that. 100%.
2: Yeah a yeah. lot of people know you for who you used to be. And right. I talk to to entrepreneurs and podcasters all the time about that. I say just understand when you start telling people about your podcast, you're going to get one of two responses. People are going to be like, "Oh my goodness, that's awesome. Good for you. Like you're starting a podcast." Yeah. Other people are going to say, "Oh, you're a podcaster now? Like why do you get to start a podcast?" Right? <laughs> so you're going to get one of those two, and I always say this. Just understand that your new identity is going to be sexy to people for a while. But I promise, unfortunately, two, three months in, if people don't identify with your new identity, they're going to move on and you're not going to get the support you once did. I've seen that so many times. And that happened to us too. You can't just don't, don't villainize people for that. It's just an understanding that you're becoming something that they're not necessarily identifying as. And that's Totally okay. When you change and other people don't change, the relationship has to change. It's just unfortunately par for the course and one of the more painful parts of self awareness and and personal growth, unfortunately. Yeah. And sometimes just letting go of it is what's needed, right? In
1: the moment. 100%. It doesn't drag you down in a way.
2: 100%.
1: And then there's the whole, you know, when people think of success, they often say, you know, I want that Ferrari. I want that money, right? Uh, if just if I had that, I'd be mm-hmm. happy. What do you say to those people? Because you've been there, right?
2: Yeah, I never had a Ferrari, so I can't. I, I, w- I wish <laughs> <Maybe>. I did. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have the Ferrari. Um, I it's a it's a funny quote, but it's it's true. Everybody wants to to find out. Or, Everybody hears money doesn't buy happiness, but they want to find out for themselves. It really is that. I try to tell them that the one thing, the one problem that money and success won't fix is anything internal. If you have an internal void of not being loved, of not being heard, of any of that stuff, nothing externally is going to fix that. It just can't. It's not set up that way. That's not the way it's supposed to happen it's not the way it's supposed to happen. Honestly, it might actually make it worse because you're going out and finding these keys and you're like, this should unlock the door. Oh no, this should unlock the door. Oh no. And you, you exhaust all options and then it's even harder. So I always try to tell people happiness is fleeting. If this happens, then I'll feel, I'll feel happy. I would really check in with fulfillment. When was the last time you were fulfilled? How, how focused are you on fulfillment? that really is what I try to tell people. Now, again, full disclosure, I like nice things. I like nice cars, but I also, I'm not under the misconception that's going to make me feel any better internally. Will I feel some type of way when I get in that car? Yeah, sure. Is that going to fix all my problems? Absolutely not. No, that is not going to fix any of my problems unless I need a vehicle. And yes, it'll fix me getting to one place from one place to another, but it's not going to make me feel any better internally. So that's always what I try to put out there. But it's hard. It's hard to hear that and say, "Well, let me give it a shot. Let me give it a shot because I know I did." Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's really
1: its self-discovery, isn't it? Yes, it's yes. just seeing it as you go. And then that self-awareness helps you realize that, "Oh, I'm not as happy as I thought." Do you think I I ponder this a lot? Mm. But the whole happiness I find comes much easier when I'm contributing to the whole. Mm. When I'm, you know, helping others achieve something at the same time as I'm fulfilling my personal
2: love. Yeah, 100%. One of the, I mean, one of the best parts of having a successful podcast is all the people we get to help. But there's definitely a part of me when I get a message, it's like, nice. Like, it makes me feel really good about me. Yeah. And is it me being fulfilled? Yeah. But it's also very, it's also very if then. If this person listened to us and then they go get results, I feel really, really happy about what we're doing. So 100%. Contribution is such an important thing because, and here's the other interesting thing. If you're, say you're doing like a charity event and your charity event involves you shoveling snow, you're probably not going to enjoy shoveling the snow if it's cold out. But you will be grateful you did it after and you will be proud. So that's another interesting thing is sometimes fulfillment actually is in the, the lack of presence of happiness, which is a, a whole another weird conversation.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah. And doing things outside your comfort zone,
2: you mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Even <laughs> your, like, your physical, it's cold, but I'm in alignment with Bettering the world. I'm not happy I'm doing this, but I'm grateful I did after. Like, I don't we do a we do a live event every year. I will tell you, I'm not happy the day of. The day of is the worst part. It's brutal. Like, cause we're kind of putting the event together and making sure everybody gets up there and the audio video is working and the videographers, everything's good. It's brutal, but I'm always there's always this moment after where we're at dinner with a team and it's like, oh, I'm so glad we did that. I'm so glad we did that it feels so it feels so right I feel so fulfilled I feel so aligned but I don't always feel happy during it it's it's weird it's weird yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and it comes after mm-hmm. when you see it all come together yes so what are what are some of the most amazing maybe three or four conversations you've
2: had that were like real aha uh-huh, very cool things that you mm. took away one of the the most impactful conversations was with my business partner. He said, Kev, you you need to understand that the people that are 20 years ahead of you aren't more successful. They've just been doing it longer. Yeah. And I was like, interesting. That's one <laughs> way to look at it. I never we think of ourselves. So it's like you see somebody 20 years ahead and you say, Wow, they're really crushing it. And then you think of yourself where you are today, not where you could be in 20 years. Yeah. So that's that was a super I, important. And thing. you compare yourself, right? Yes. that's yes. not fair. <laughs> no, no, they got a twenty-year head start. That's a long time. Yeah, that's a long. I'm only thirty-three, so that's two-thirds of my life. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. So, so that was that's a really, really big one. One of the things that really helped me understand relationships at a deeper level was one of our friends and a client. Her name's Tor, Tori Aletto she spoke on our stage and she said, growth is the byproduct of a relationship. That's the goal. The goal of relationship isn't necessarily love, it's growth. If you're in a relationship and you're growing, you're winning. And that was a very interesting thing for me because now I understand more than I ever have how important it is to have difficult conversations, how important it is to give difficult but necessary truths, to take difficult but necessary truths. It's not to our point earlier, You're not going to be happy every second of every day, especially when you're growing. Growth is challenging, but you'll be fulfilled and you'll be more in love because your relationship will be more successful and growing. So that was a a very, very, very important thing. I love
1: that right? because there's this program that everything should be romantic and perfect in a relationship. And that kills a lot of relationships because who can live up to that and for how long? And that's not the purpose. Yeah. right but we've yeah. been led to believe that the purpose is a fairy tale and yeah so that's beautiful i love that <laughs> everyone remember that
2: one <laughs> that's an important one <laughs> yeah. that's an important one yeah. because sometimes when you feel like you're losing you're actually winning the most you yeah. know like um emotionally it might feel like you're losing because it's like oh i feel like we're taking steps backwards here but sometimes those step backwards are so you can build a new platform to step on when you go forward is a very right. important concept right and pain
1: uh, pain often teaches as well
2: yes yes you
1: know pain misery <laughs> yeah unhealth all those things are often the springboard yeah to moving forward yeah but that's great so what
2: else <laughs> what else i have one more i think that Some of the most challenging conversations I've ever had were based on the understanding of the human condition. So really trying to learn. So our listeners are primarily female. Never would have guessed that as a a tattooed bodybuilder. That was never what I expected, right? But I think it's because we're vulnerable and we try to tell as much of the truth as humanly possible. And we try to be open and inclusive and patient and just have as little ego as possible also. The conversations we've had to understand how to help our community, really that, like the understanding that I have so much in common with our community, although I'm a successful podcaster who a lot of our community looks up to, which I'm very grateful for, I still have many of the same issues that they do. I'm afraid of judgment. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of rejection that having that conversation and realizing, oh, okay, I kind of am the community. And that's why the community is the way it is. It's based on the people who started the community. That's been a very, very interesting, impactful thing to understand. And I think it helps me feel very close to the community as well. So I'm very appreciative of that. Right. So
1: the realization that we're we're all going through a lot of the same things, right? No one's above it. No, no matter, you know, you could be the best or the greatest movie star still going through those Mm -hmm. same fears, same thoughts, same,
2: same programming. Yeah. And there's power in, in talking about it. Yeah. There's power in saying, Hey, look, I'm, I, I still mess up all the time. I always say that when I go on podcasts, I might seem confident, but I've just I've done this so many times. I still have my moments before certain interviews where it's like, I really hope I do not mess this up too bad. And, you know, I still have those moments. And I think it's just what do you do when you hear that voice? Do you keep going or do you say, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe this isn't this isn't for me. I just try to show up. And that's been very impactful. So that's always the advice I give is if you're afraid and it's a reasonable fear, don't jump out of a plane without a parachute. If that's you know, if you're afraid of that, that's probably a good thing. But if you're afraid and it's a line, try to show up anyway and see what happens. Yeah. So what are what
1: is, what have you been most afraid of and still showed up? Oh man.
2: Uh, public speaking. I'm terrified of speaking on stage. Terrified. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Terrified. It's different here. Yeah. It's different. Cause I'm, my comfort zone is in the studio. I've done it so many times, but on stage you're so vulnerable. Like everybody can see everything. And if you mess up there, you know, there's nowhere to hide. It's very, very, very vulnerable place. That for sure. One of the the biggest things that I did in the beginning of this journey is we flew across the country to a Brenda Burchard event. And that was my first time ever going to a personal development event. And I'm terrified of planes, like 10 out of 10 terrified. And it literally got to the point where I was having anxiety attacks in the hotel before we left because I... I think I was too afraid and pushed myself too far and I ended up having panic attacks and then I had anxiety for a while after that. So honestly, kind of everything, yeah. kind of everything. So Many of the interviews we've done, I wasn't ready to do. I was like, I, you know, Evan Carmichael, David Meltzer, Stephen Kotler, a lot of big names were. I'm so afraid before the interview starts. I'm so afraid that I hope they cancel. Like maybe they'll cancel and we won't have to do it. So honestly, like everything, everything was kind of that for
1: me. Yeah. And so in that case, there's the program that they know more, right? Yes. And how do you handle getting on stage? Because like you just showed up. Yeah. And how do you handle those nerves and
2: what happens? Honestly, I try, and this is going to sound weird, maybe, maybe not. I try to be more of myself. And what I mean by that is I try to just be imperfect. If you go up there and you're worried about being perfect, that's not going to happen. So you're going to leave disappointed. So the last time I was on stage, I was way funnier than usual because I I tried to treat it more like, look, you're all my friends. I'm just going to talk to you like I would talk to anybody else. I'm not going to be on my pedestal, my soapbox. This is my presentation. This is how I'm going to give it. For me, it's try to be even more who you are. Yeah. Because then it gets rid of, if you can get people to laugh with you, all things considered, I mean, it's going to be a lot easier. So that's what I, I try to lean more into authenticity because at least nobody, nobody can ever tell me I wasn't myself correctly. That's for sure. I mean, only I could say that really.
1: Yeah. And how do you do that? How do you tune into it in those yeah. times
2: that are high pressure, right? I I try to tell my clients this and it's very hard. It's very hard to explain. I just say remove the safety net. When you're because I I coach a lot of podcasters, when you're doing your episode, I want you to remove your safety net and I, when you make the first mistake, I don't want you to beat yourself up because you're not supposed to be perfect that, whatever that means to you, if you're out there, it's very hard for me, it's internally and it's just let it go. Get rid of this cloak of, of perfection. Get rid of this. I must know everything to be the expert and be more of a guide than a teacher guide through your own experience. Instead of saying, I know everything, let me teach you that has worked really well for me because honestly, I think my expectations and standards are higher than anybody else's That's, I, I'm afraid to let myself down, I think more than anybody else to the point where I remember I did a presentation. I don't remember the word, but I got one word wrong. My presentation was a 99 out of hundred. There's one word I forgot that I couldn't remember. And that's what I beat myself up for. I said, I can't believe you couldn't remember whatever it was, but nobody else said that. That was me, you know? So that's what I would say. It's yeah, Really? Tune into that. How much of a safety net do you have up? Because the safety net's probably the ego. It's it's trying to keep you safe. That's your ego's job. But what if you could let that go a little bit and just be more of you, be more of yourself? Yeah.
1: And to be vulnerable and admit, like, people love when you're just who you are, right? Yeah. And you make mistakes. Yeah. Nobody really is perfect out there. Mm. I know as a kid, I I was put in front of a chalkboard when I was really young, and it's in front of the whole class. And, you know, when you're in a high state stress situation, your frontal cortex doesn't work, right? And so you can't remember a thing. So now if someone will look me right in the eye intensely and ask me a very direct question, my mind will go blank immediately mm. because of what happened as a kid. Yeah. So I don't know, for me, I just laugh and often that laughter at myself allows the blood to come back and I can think again,
2: right? Yeah. Well, that's you being authentic to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I I think I'd be in a worse situation than you on stage (laughs) (laughs) because at least you had humor. You could, you could do that really well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's just, I think the other thing is it's the understanding that it at least this time will be a little bit easier than last time. That's the thing that happens is we do something and we assume, oh, I could never do that again. It was so hard. Next time, it's most likely going to be a little bit easier. It's not going to be night and day, but now you have a little bit of a groove of understanding, awareness, experience. It It's not as hard the next time. The yeah. first time is usually the worst. Yeah. And
1: realizing, like you said, that it's not going to be perfect, because other people have done it a lot longer. Mm -hmm. I try to remember when I first was learning a new skill as a kid and how bad I was.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And then over time, you became pretty good at it, but it was 10 years. And then you could play soccer fairly well, right? But Mm -hmm. do you remember those first times? Of course. Learning to
2: even kick a ball? Yeah terrible. Yeah. So one of, one of my favorite things is when I learned to drive, when I learned to drive, I was like, I do not understand how people do this. Like, why aren't there more accidents? This is absolutely wild. I was convinced I wasn't going to be able to do it. And now it's like, I don't ever think of, Oh, we're driving four hours. I really hope I can do it. Like, that's not even a thought anymore. It's, you know, so to your point, and one of my favorite quotes is, how many things do you do? Or its a, I guess it's a question. How many things do you do every single day that you thought were impossible at one point? I mean, at, that, one if, point. Yeah. at one point, yeah. me driving a car was like, there is no way this is going to work. And now it's, it's not even a second thought. Yeah. And in
1: fact, it's become so natural. It's completely unconscious. Almost, yeah. Straight yeah. what you do. Yeah. So it's that forgiveness of, you know,
2: learning a new skill that's so beautiful. Yeah. It's par for the course to mess it up the first time. It yeah. really is. It yeah. it really is. Like we had a new thing that we did, a new business thing that we did. And the first time we did it, it was like, oh, wow, this is not going well. And yeah. all you're doing is you're working out the kinks to avoid them the next time. But if you stop after the first time, you're going you know, you're going to convince yourself, oh, that wasn't for me. I wasn't meant to do that. I'm not good enough. When now you know, 10 things not to do next time you know at least those 10 things for potholes let's avoid those we're going to find a couple more probably but it's still it's progress
1: yeah exactly beautiful kevin well i love what you're doing do you want to
2: share any last
1: beautiful thoughts that you've learned along the way and
2: yeah of course i love i love beautiful thoughts um (laughs) i would say your reality becomes the parts of your imagination that you hold to and pour into the longest. I have, I have forgotten and stopped doing a lot of things over the last five years. But the thing that I focused on, I poured into, and I focused on more than anything else was podcasting and everything that we're doing today. In five, 10 years, your life is gonna look very different than it does today, but it's up to you to decide different in what way that's what i would say that would be my closing thought
1: yeah and did you say imagination
2: yep yep imagination your part uh, your reality becomes the parts of your imagination that you hold on to and pour into the longest right the the thoughts that you hold yep the most yep I don't lose that. that imagination that imagination yeah. at one point we all wanted to be whatever it was astronauts actresses firefighters police officers whatever it may have been and yeah. i think we get we get beat down in life. And those, those things aren't quote unquote realistic anymore. So hang on to that imagination. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff there.
1: Yeah. And at the same time, allow it to align with your, your,
2: your being that's
1: here this time. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Love it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. How do people find more of what you do?
2: Sure. So our podcast is called next level university. You can just search it on, Apple or Spotify, whatever platform you listen to, we are there. We do seven episodes a week. So every single day, a new episode in your pocket. And then if you want to reach out to me, my handle is at neverquitkid on Instagram.
1: Okay. And we'll put those links in the thank show you. notes. I appreciate it. Why, why, one more question. Sure. Why Next Level University? Why that name? I love it.
2: Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we, we had a mentor, Evan Carmichael. And we were doing a coaching call with him live on Instagram. And he said, you guys are great podcasters and you ask great questions. And I'll never, I always remember you. Like when you guys show up, I remember who you are, but I can never remember the name of your show. Nobody knows what hyper-conscious means. You got to change the name if you want to grow. And we were like, absolutely not. You're wrong. We're going to keep this name. (laughs) We got over that and we said, well, this man knows his stuff. Let's take his advice. Something we were saying at the time was next level. That movie was next level. That interview was next level. That pizza is next level. Okay, let's see if we can do anything there. One thing we wanted to do is we wanted to create an online campus where you could go to learn about different things, right, different categories, different subjects. So we said, what if it's next level university? Let's do that. And that really, that was, I think that was like 450 episodes in. Yeah. And then it stuck. We rebranded and we became the, the next level guys. That's us now.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And in a way you're teaching how to get to that next level through self-awareness. So it's really, yeah, just awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And to everyone out there, don't forget, don't give away your power to anyone else. Be the creator of your own life. Spiral up, spiral out.
0: And remember, don't give away your power to anyone else. Be the creator of your own life. You can find more inspiring episodes on 14 different platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and EmpoweredHealth.com. Be a part of Thrive Tribes. Be the change in thrive at ThriveTribeHub.com. And join me and my fellow changemakers at Health Tribe Body, Mind, and Soul on Facebook. Spiral up, spiral out.